Thursday morning on Buckeye Breakdown as we get ready for Ohio State and the Indiana Hoosiers. Yesterday, gave you a really good idea of what the Hoosier defense looks like and how the Buckeyes should be able to attack them. Today, we're going to flip to the other side of the ball. What in the world does Indiana's offense look like? We know they've decided on a starting quarterback, though they haven't told anybody else. How can their offensive line hold up against an Ohio State defensive line that certainly looks to be a strong point this year? And if they can get to ball the ball to playmakers, who are those guys? What can we expect from them? And, and what concerns should the Buckeyes have? All that plus a little bit more, some fun stuff after talking to players down at the facility yesterday. It's coming up next on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. It's game week for Ohio State as they get ready to open the season Saturday afternoon against the Indiana Hoosiers. Believe it or not, we are just over 48 hours away from kickoff and finally getting this thing started as the Buckeyes try to go out and win a Big Ten title for the first time in a couple years and uh, come up with that elusive national championship. They seem to have a lot of talent on this team to be able to get it done, but will they play consistently enough on the defensive side and can the quarterback spot uh, give them enough here early in the season to, to let you think that those dreams are really tangible? We'll find out. This is the first time you're joining us. Glad to have you. I'm Brendan Gulick, Anthony Meglin alongside, and uh, we will be live at 7 a.m. Eastern every day talking Ohio State football here during the season. Uh, we hope to be your, your morning stop as you get ready for the Buckeyes and Hoosiers this week. Anthony, I know we got, uh, we've got a game plan today to kind of talk about um, – you know, what this Ohio State defense should look like this week and, and what we can expect from Indiana's offense. But I got to start with something that's not Ohio State related, if you'll indulge me for a second, because what happened yesterday in the Big Ten was absolutely, without question, one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my entire life. And if you didn't see it, folks, you got to go back and check out the highlights. The number of the day is 92,003. Nebraska put 92,003 fans in Memorial Stadium to watch a volleyball match. It was the largest crowd for a women's sporting event in world history, and it was awesome. It just totally electric. Watching it, it was a perfect evening. The weather looked awesome. And how cool cool is it to just have an entire fan base surrounding a volleyball match? It was the most... Uh, unbelievable thing that I've really watched in a long time because it's been it's never been seen before. It was just so cool. I couldn't get over just how unique it was, how cool it was, and what an experience for those women to get to play uh, in front of that many people. It, I, I got the chills watching it and thinking of it. Like this is the one of the coolest things I've ever seen uh, in a sporting event. Yeah, I mean it was it was. Um unsurprising that Nebraska fans will go out and, and actually support that team. If you follow college sports at all um, beyond college football, Nebraska volleyball is a big deal and they literally sell out every single game. So I don't know where the idea came from that they were going to play in the stadium. Um, but they, I mean, honestly, it looked like a rock concert. I mean, it was, 
they, they the, the the smoke screens, the light show, the the military flyover. Um, it it was actually ridiculously cool. So <laughs> the so. flyover, the flyover was the 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 one for me. I was watching them like this is just. I mean, it's a volleyball game in a football stadium, and it was packed. It was it was so cool. That was what an awesome idea. Whoever had that idea needs a raise because that was uh, that was absolutely fantastic for those women to get to do that and to be on that stage. It doesn't get. It literally does not get any better at any in any stance you, you can't get better than what that was last night yeah there was one international soccer match that had like ninety-one thousand and change uh and the largest women's sporting event in the united states prior to that attendance wise was uh the you know, obviously at the rose bowl when um the u.s women's national team won the world cup back in 99 but um just over ninety-two thousand people in nebraska yesterday so this is an ohio state show and we're going to get to football now but uh, tip of the hat to the Huskers. Oh, so that cool! Was, that was very cool. <laughs> Even you saying that—that that was compared to the the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in '99 in in America, and America was in the final. I mean, in Nebraska, doubled it up. I mean, so awesome, just so so cool. Well, speaking of doubling it up, uh, I think there is an there is a, a a prevailing thought that Ohio State is just going to run rampant all over this Indiana team, and maybe they will, but maybe they won't. And I tend to believe this game might be slightly tighter only because there's a lot of youth on both sides of the field. Mm -hmm. Um, But Ohio State's guys are substantially better than what I think Indiana's best players are. And if you missed yesterday's show where we focused a little bit more on uh, the Ohio State offense against the Indiana defense, um, we're going to look at the other side of the ball today. You know, look, you can't win if you don't score. And I think Ohio State's defense uh, certainly has some some interesting spots where they can excel. Why don't we start just, you know, the, the question that Ohio State fans, I don't know they're dying to the answer to because I'm not sure how many people are, are like, man, I really care who the Indiana quarterback is. But Tom Allen's trying everything he can to, you know, not give away part of his game plan as best he can. So he – They've decided who their quarterback is, but they're not making it public. Uh, after taking a look at some tape and, and evaluating some things, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's been a very funny thing to watch and listen to as I've just been consuming press conferences and uh, different things from their media. How much of a just how much of a thing it really is that hey, they have a guy and they won't tell anybody, and you're trying to get that even what the smallest competitive advantage they're trying to get. Uh, but I do think it I do think it plays a little bit uh, gives Ohio State just to, even if it's they have to spend 10 extra minutes uh, doing doing prep for one guy compared to the other. That's well worth the Indiana secretive mystery thing they got going on right now. Uh, but the competition is between Taven Jackson and Brennan Soresby. And we mentioned both of those guys earlier in the week. And after watching uh, some some of some of the Indiana tape from last year uh, as their OC Walt Bell comes back for his second year. He's going to have a partner on uh, Anthony Tucker, who's a new guy uh, coming in. They're going to co-offensive coordinate the team. Basically, in my opinion, that just means one guy is going to be more involved in the pass game. One guy is going to be more involved in the run game. But it sounds like Walt Bell is going to be calling the, calling the shots. Uh, but from what they've shown last year, they want to have the quarterback involved in the run game. Every time that they had success uh, when that was against Ohio State, what limited success they did have uh, and some of their wins 
uh, especially late in the year. Uh, the quarterback was involved in the run game. And when you look at these two guys, Taven Jackson, uh, he's an Indiana guy, highly touted coming out of high school. Uh, we hit on this earlier in the week, but he's the brother of uh, Trace Jackson Davis, the, uh, the standout uh, forward for the Indiana Hoosiers basketball team. Uh, but he's familiar with the place. He went to Tennessee for his freshman year and had very limited experience. Got in one time, uh, and it was actually against Akron, so it would have been two years ago. Uh, but got in one time, is, a ten, is 10 yards rushing for one touchdown, and he has three or four passing for 37 yards. So really no experience um, with game, game reps or live bullets. Uh, but he's going to be more of your dual threat guy who can throw it and run it, uh, whereas Brendan Sorsby – uh, he's a 6'3", 230-pound sophomore, and when he was coming out of school, he was ranked the number 13 pocket passer in the country. Very limited stats, came in in some uh, relief efforts against Penn State last year, was 3-6 of six, uh, for 13 yards. So very little uh, there, but if I was to guess, my, my lean would be towards uh, Taven Jackson getting the nod just because they want to have that dual threat guy, and when they're so outmatched, as they will be on Saturday – uh, it gives the running the quarterback gives you an extra hat uh, and somebody else to account for for the defense. Uh, so my guess is Taven Jackson may get the nod uh, to, to to start against the Buckeyes uh, on Saturday. And I and I like where your head's at there too because the reality is as we kind of move toward their their offensive line, whoever's playing quarterback, they they're going to have to give somebody time or they're going to have to run plays that don't need time to develop very quickly. Um, it, it doesn't look like this Indiana offensive line is going to be too much better, at least on paper. It's not looking like they're going to be too much better than they were last year. Um, and the combination of playing against probably one of the two best defensive lines that they'll see all year right out of the gate, I, I think it's going to be a tough combination for them. Right. When you look at their front, their offensive line, their five guys that they're going to roll out there, it was really um, cool to learn, and I guess not cool for them, but they're the 10th youngest offensive line in the country. They'll have a combined 77 starts when they walk out on the field. So across five guys, they've only had 77 starts uh, throughout their entire careers, uh, and it's led by their right tackle. Uh, we got a redshirt senior, Matthew Bedford. Uh, he's a big dude, big drink of water, six foot six, 308 pounds. Uh, he's lettered for all four years, but he's even coming off an injury last year that cost him half his season. Uh, so he'll be he'll be a guy who's, although veteran, uh, it's been a while since he's had a meaningful snap. However, when he has played, he's been fantastic. His junior season and 475 snaps uh, against the or pass blocking snaps, uh, he only gave up 20 pressures, gave him a, a 97.6 win rate uh, through pro football focus. And uh, that's pretty great. That's elite. That's elite work right there, especially in the Big Ten where you're facing dudes every week. Uh, so he's going to be the guy that you look at. And then from there, it's a lot of question marks. Uh, they're at guard on the right side, Khalil Benson, uh, torn ACL in 2020, uh, redshirted in 2021. So last year was really his first year. and Didn't really have too much action. Zach Carpenter, uh, he's going to be in his third year playing at the center position. He initially transferred from Michigan his first season, but very limited experience at IU. And then on the left side, left guard, uh, you got a redshirt sophomore, Mike Caddick, 6'4", 3'12". Um, played every, he has played his whole career at IU, but has no game uh, experience. And then at left tackle, you're getting a TCU transfer. So this will be his first year playing in Bloomington, 6'5", 300 pounds, Noah Boltoff. 
and he was on he was on the national championship team at TCU last year. So all of these guys are new, although some of them have been at IU for a while. They haven't really played much or had much experience outside of Matthew Bedford at right tackle. So given that Matthew Bedford is is their their best offensive lineman, what kind of looks can Ohio State's defensive line, you know, throw at him and try to to run away from him uh, in order to put pressure on? Right. Yeah. To do that, just to be to, to be successful, it's very simple on the defensive side. You just take your other guy, you take your best player and you put him on the other side. So JT, expect him to go um, against the left tackle. Uh, expect him to go and against Noah Boltoff. Now you go, you flip on the other side. Noah's seen some stuff. I mean, he was on a national championship contending team last year and he played against Michigan and whatnot. So he's no, no um, walk in the park, but when you want to go again, you want to give your guys the best option to win, just flip them sides or add some pressure on to the outside so that when they're accounting for when the, the tackles have to account for the second level based on their slide protection or what side they're manned up, you can get them to have to account for someone who's not your premier pass rusher. So look to them when they want to bring pressure, they'll bring it at uh, at Bedford on the right side. But if they want to just rush four, look for their guys to be flipped over on the left side uh, of the offensive line uh, where they're going to have a little bit more of an advantage. Tell you what, I, I, you know, it's easy to get excited to go watch somebody like JT Tuimoloa or Jack Sawyer uh, maybe even Kenyatta Jackson. They we've learned this week that Arvel Reese, uh, the freshman from Glenville, was obviously a, a really good linebacker in high school. He's been really impressive and is going to play on Saturday. And Jim Knowles alluded to the fact that he's probably more defensive end type just because of how aggressive he is. Um, for as excited as I am to, to watch those guys, honestly, I really can't wait to watch Tyreek Williams and Mike Hall in the middle because. Uh, when those two guys are healthy, I feel like Ohio State's got a stout middle of the defensive line, um, and I, I want to see them really get after it. You you certainly saw last year in the opener what Mike Hall was capable of against Notre Dame and unfortunately just dealt with an injury all year. Um, but, man, that that kid is uh, – he's on the verge of something really cool. I'm, I'm excited to watch Mike Hall. And they're going to be an integral part, and you'll see it starting this week, but – Coach, uh, Coach Bell was talking yesterday or at his press conference how they want to be able to establish the run. So they're kind of fighting an uphill battle with young quarterbacks. We've talked about it on our side, but flip it over uh, to their side of things and then multiply the pressure by a million because the Ohio State defense is so elite and so good. He even made a comment. He goes, all right, it was to the reporter because the, the question was in reference to like what's making you lose sleep. And he goes, look at their roster. And tell me what guy doesn't have a chance to play in the NFL, you know, from a personnel personnel perspective. So they're fighting an uphill battle to begin with. And he he kept referencing wanting to be ahead of the sticks. And what does that mean? That means not having second and long. That means your goal and on first and 10 is to go positive. You want to have second and seven and less. And then on third down or on second down, you want to get half. So if it's second and eight, you want to at least get four yards, right? So you have third and manageable. So to do that, you want to be able to establish the run. Now, how Ohio State takes that away, you just have a stout interior. What makes it really, really challenging for the guards and the tackles and the center to get where they need to go, to get to the second level. And when you got a guy like Mike Hall who just wreaks havoc inside, makes it really challenging to run the football and to keep that offense on schedule. And then everything snowballs from there. When you have a freshman quarterback who's never played in third and 12, 
you know, that's going to cause problems for the Indiana offense. So it all starts in the middle. And I think Ohio State has such an advantage up front, especially from a personnel perspective. And then from an experience perspective, as these uh, this IU offensive line is so inexperienced, I think could be something that Ohio State takes advantage of. All right, let's jump into some of the skill position players. I know if IU is going to, you know, going to start putting anything together, um, probably going to mean that Jalen Lucas is at the the focal point of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number 12 for IU, and you'll see him everywhere. He led their team in, in all-purpose yards with 996 last year, had about 280 yards rushing, only about 96 receiving, but he had 570 yards in the return game, which were huge, huge plays. He had three touchdowns over 70 yards last season. And if you go back to some of our conversations earlier in the week and even some prior, Ohio State's big circled on their on their board every week is big plays. Eliminate the big play. And that isn't – we talked about it on Monday. That isn't just in the first half of the game or second. That's throughout the entirety of the game. Like this game has to look the part because you're preparing for the games to follow. You can't afford to have any slip-ups. And Jalen Lucas is the guy that can do that. He can turn a two-yard run into an 80-yard touchdown just like that. He's going to be the fastest guy on the field uh, on Saturday afternoon. He's real little, five foot nine, 170 pounds. So if you get your hands on him, he's going down. But the problem is getting your hands on him. So he'll be the focal point uh, of their offense. And then he's supplemented by a, a bunch of guys um, that I think are quality skill guys. Uh, starting in the backfield with Josh Henderson, he's going to wear number 26. Uh, and He's really their bell cow. He's going to be the guy who gets potentially 20 carries, and they're going to rely on to get that to keep Indiana's offense in rhythm um, throughout the throughout the entirety of the game. Had eight touchdowns last year, four in the air, four on the ground, uh, so can do kind of a little bit of both. But expect him to be the guy who's giving you three yards in a cloud of dust. That type of uh, that type of guy. And then lastly, a new guy, Christian Turner, uh, transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, actually, has he's doing the college tour. Started his first three years at Michigan. It's pretty successful there. Accumulated 13 touchdowns in his time um, as a Wolverine. Transferred to Wake Forest. uh, Had 1,022 yards in his career there and 12 touchdowns. And then he's going to be his first year here at IU. So there's your backfield. And Jalen Lucas is technically a running back. But uh, Coach Bell called him his uh, move-around toy yesterday. So he's going to be your adjuster. He'll be uh, in the backfield. He'll also be in the slots. They may even put him on the outside. Uh, when they're trying to get him the ball, but they referenced a bunch. Get Jalen Lucas the football. That's the main focus of their offense. And get him the football meaningfully. Don't just hand it off to him and just say, hey, go make a play. Like, just scheme it up for him and try to get him in space um, to make big plays. How about if they try to get uh, get the ball in the air, if they can't get it to Lucas in the backfield? Uh, what's uh, what's the receiver group look like? Yeah, it's number six. It's Cam Camper. He's the guy to keep your, keep your eye on. He's uh, um, been – really their best guy. Uh, He had a season-ending injury last year, but he's a guy that in his debut last season is at Indiana. He's just was a transfer in last year. Had 156 yards against Illinois uh, and set the record for a first time or or for a debut performance. So he's got that big play capability to him. Stands at six foot two, 195 pounds, so a bigger guy. And one of the consistent themes of their wide receiver room is they only have one guy under six foot. Uh, and that's going to be their slot guy, Cameron Perry. He's little. He's five foot nine, one sixty five, but he's got a lot of juice to him. Uh, and he's a guy that they'll they'll be they'll adjust with him too. Him and Jalen Lucas kind of remind me of each other, uh, where they're both very shifty, good hands, and in good explosion. So you'll see him in the slot, and, and then some other guys. Donovan McCauley, six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds. 
excuse me, 200 pounds, was a former quarterback. So he actually last spring uh, was a quarterback uh, for IU, uh, knew he wasn't going to make it happen. Uh, but they were like, hey, we have to use you. You're huge and you got great athletic ability. Let's put you at wide receiver. He actually caught a touchdown last year against Ohio State, so has had some experience um, in big games. Doesn't have many stats outside of that, but you know has been playing receiver now for, for a year for, for IU. On the last two guys, we have two transfers to keep your eye out for. Um, and this first guy, Dakias Carter, uh, is a guy that uh, you should circle. He's going to wear number four, stands at six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, it was a transfer from Fordham, right? So he's a, a smaller level D1 guy, but was incredibly productive in his career. Um, had 39 career starts, had over 3,000 receiving yards and 31 touchdowns on 176 receptions in his career at Fordham. So he's going to be a guy that they're going to look to to have on the outside uh, and really supplement uh, Cam Camper and, and Jalen Lucas as well. And then lastly, EJ Williams Jr., a Clemson transfer, uh, four years at Clemson. Doesn't have too many stats, but had his career game against Ohio State in the 2021 uh, Sugar Bowl in, in the playoffs. Had five catches. That was his career high, uh, but not much, but has had some experience in big games and could be a guy they look to on the outside. So this is kind of a, a combo question here, talking both tight ends and just personnel packages in general. You know, when you're when you're an offense where you look at a defense to, you know, to Walt's um, – uh, perspective earlier on like, Hey, which guy over there isn't going to be an NFL player. Let me know if you find him. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's an element of like, you got to have numbers, right? If you, if you've got a, a numerical disadvantage, it's, it's probably going to be difficult against Ohio state anyways. So do you put more guys in the box? Cause you're trying to run the ball. Do you want to spread everybody out so that you have as few Ohio State players in the box as possible and try to pick them apart through the air? What What do you think they try to do if if things go exactly the way they want it to go? Yeah, if this was a game where they where Indiana had the advantage and they were able to dictate everything, you you would see them in a lot of ten personnel, which is four receivers, no tight ends, and one running back to create space. Uh, they need space. Jalen Lucas needs space. Uh, Josh Henderson, maybe not so much from the space perspective, but they would love to create space, very similar to how Ohio State operates their offense. However, when you're at a disadvantage, which they will be on Saturday, uh, they're going to have to adjust. So you're going to see some tight end work. Uh, you're going to get into 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end, L maybe leaving a little bit of 12 uh, because in 12 personnel is one running back and two tight ends. Uh, because, like they said, they want to establish the run. And when they had success last year, um, they, were, they were having to bring a tight end in to create an extra gap in the run game. And then that allows them to use their quarterback in the run game. So where they would be ideal is four receivers, no tight ends. However, I think you're going to roll out a couple tight ends here. Um, their tight ends have little to no experience. Uh, you're going to have three guys. James Bond is going to lead the way. They're, these are all huge guys. These are like tackle extensions. Uh, James Bonda is going to wear number 48, six foot six, 250. Um, he had his first career start last season against Ohio State. Aaron Steinfeld, six foot five, 250. Caught one touchdown last year against Maryland. And then Bradley Archer, 6'3, 245. He's a transfer from Stanford. So all of them have very little stats. They're huge guys. And there are, there are extra hats in the run game uh, because I think that it's going to be important if Indiana even wants to try to stick in it on offense 
they have to be able to run the ball a little bit and just stay alive until Jalen Lucas breaks one. Just like stay alive on a drive, and you'll you'll see them have to adjust what they want to do to get into to uh, to advantageous situations. I know we talked a little bit about the Buckeye defensive line, and maybe maybe the answer to this question is somebody we mentioned already. But what what Buckeye defensive player are you most looking forward to watching Saturday? Because you think they're primed for a huge game. Yeah, so the easy answer is Tommy Eichenberg. I'll give two. Uh, Coach Bell said, or Coach Ball, or Bell, um, excuse me, uh, said that Tommy's going to be the best linebacker they face uh, in, in not only the Big Ten. He goes, this might be the best linebacker in the country. We obviously, he's a Ignatius guy. He's he's a, he's a Wildcat just like yourself. So he's from the Cleveland area, which we're you and I are both very familiar with. Uh, so it'll be cool. It's cool to watch him play. But it was also cool to hear. Uh, their offensive coordinator really single him out as, hey, they're loaded everywhere, but it doesn't go unless 35 goes. So it'll be really cool to watch him play uh, and know that they're they're game planning against him uh, because he's seen so much football. So it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, and then we talked about it earlier in the week, Sonny Styles on the back end. He's the guy that I have circled uh, because of the hype that's been surrounding him. And I'm just excited to see what he does. I'm excited to see how Jim Knowles uses him. How are you going to he's, – he's an athletic guy. He's a freaky, freaky dude who can play over the top. He can play in the post and, and keep everything in front of him. But he also looks like he can play in the box and be a physical dude to stop the run. Um, so I'm excited to watch uh, him play and see just how he's adjusted, how he's used um, in this Jim Knowles defense. It, it should be a lot of fun to, to watch those, those two guys. Fun little sidebar since we brought up his name a few different times. Offensive coordinator Walt Bell for uh, for Indiana. They've got you know a relatively young coaching staff, guys that are are um, experienced, but you know they're they're in their late thirties, early forties. A lot of their staff. Um, I learned yesterday that Walt Bell's college roommate was country music superstar Sam Hunt. And I guess they're still pretty good buddies. I love Sam Hunt's music, so that's cool. Hey, that's so, that's so cool. And also, if you have a free five minutes, just cut on his, his interview. Don't watch it, and you'll you'll hear Matthew McConaughey. I had it on in the car, and I turned it on. I'm like, holy cow, I'm, I'm watching a Matthew McConaughey film. I had to double-check to make sure I wasn't going to get it. All right, all right, all right. He, just a slow southern draw, but uh, he uh, seems to be have been pretty successful. And he's very excited. Uh, about the opportunity to go against Jim Knowles, too. He mentioned it, it, that he really respects Jim Knowles, and they actually go back a while. When uh, Jim Knowles was uh, was the D.C. at Duke, uh, um, Coach Bell was at North Carolina, so they had some some head-to-head battles um, going back a while, and he really respects uh, Jim Knowles and his his career to this point, uh, and it'll be fun. I know they're, they're, it'll be a fun little chess match. I'm, I'm very curious – to see what they have up their sleeve on offense because they are severely outmanned. Ohio State has an incredible advantage uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we'll have to. Indiana's going to have to get pretty creative uh, to, to to survive on Saturday. So um, that's going to lead to a, a lot of wrinkles and a lot of cool stuff that I'm excited to see. A lot of comments flying in left and right on uh, on our YouTube channel. If you're uh, watching live with us, if you're listening after the fact, please know that. We do these shows live uh, every morning at 7 a.m. to kind of get you started for the day. So you can certainly interact with us live. We get some questions along the way. Jeff, appreciate the compliment. Um, We've got a question here. It says, what do you think about backups for linebacker? And I'm sure they're referencing Ohio State at linebacker. So let's dive into that for a second. Um, Obviously, Tommy Eichenberg is going to get a whole lot of love here. Personally, my my, my attention is uh, 
pretty heavily on C.J. Hicks this year. I want to see what C.J. can do. Yeah, C.J. Hicks is, is really a name that stands out. Uh, for when you're when you're talking about depth at linebacker at the linebacker position, and I think this is a really good question, Spider, because uh, Tommy's going to go. Tom, this is Tommy's last year at it. We've watched him play and grow and become one of the best linebackers in the country. It'll be really it'll be really cool to see who fills in afterwards, um, and they're going to start getting a lot of experience, especially early on in these games, uh, testing guys um, to put them in there. So I, I agree, it'll be good um, to see you know some of the depth at, at the linebacker position. Um, you know, kind of as we get the season kicked off here. I like Steel Chambers. I'm excited for him to play. Um, you know, who else is going to stand out, I think, is uh, one of my favorite questions, frankly, at the beginning of the year to, to figure out who else is there. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I don't think linebacker is going to be a problem for Ohio State. Uh, and I'm hopeful that there are enough situations where Tommy doesn't have to play Mm-hmm. You know, late into the third and early in the fourth quarter, especially these first few games. You know, I I don't love predicting blowouts. I, I feel like that's kind of a it, – it's a hard thing to do. I mean, Ohio State is explosive enough that this could – the game certainly could get out of hand, right? I mean, this could be a 21 nothing game at the end of the first quarter, certainly. Um, but it's also the first game of the year, and – the first half of the first game against Notre Dame last year and against Minnesota the year before were a little clunky, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know that I expect Ohio State to be, you know, five touchdown first half kind of team on Saturday. I, I think that might be a little aggressive uh, in, in terms of my mentality. So I, I don't know how much depth you're going to see uh, on the defensive side early in the game. But I, I'm certainly hopeful that they're going to play some depth early and we can start to see what some of these guys have. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the predicting a blowout. I, I'm the worst when it comes to that. So anytime I say, hey, it's going to be a blowout, it's going to be a tight one. And if I say it's going to be a tight one, <laughs> Ohio State will be up 35 nothing in the first quarter. And it doesn't – there's no – there's no other no other way than that. Than that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be – you're just curious to see how it starts. It's been two straight years where it hasn't looked great in week one, at least in the first half of week one. Uh, but Ohio State's come out with the win. Um, again, you want it to look okay. You want it to look good, but at the end of the day, get a win. Go there, get the win, uh, which I think Ohio State's in uh, prime position to do. All right, let's wrap with something else that was a little fun. We heard from uh, Coach Meyer yesterday. Urban Meyer was asked, who were the uh, the five hardest players to prepare for when you were coaching at Ohio State? And I, I think this is a fun little list. I know you're a big college football fan in general. I'm interested if there's anybody else totally uh, off the top of your head, but I'm interested if there's anybody else that you think, you know, should be added to a list like this. I couldn't come up with anybody off the top of my head, but uh, Coach Meyer said the five hardest players for him to prepare for, number five, Donovan Peoples-Jones at Michigan, number four, Denard Robinson at Michigan, number three, Trace McSorley at Penn State, Number two, Melvin Gordon at Wisconsin. And the number one hardest player for him to prep for was Saquon Barkley at Penn State. Some obviously some pretty talented dudes there. That's a good list. I know the stories. I'm I'm a big Browns fan. So the DPJ Ohio State stories are are ones that I know well. It's really it, it was Urban Meyer wanted DPJ really, really bad coming out of high school. And so it's really interesting to hear him say that he was one of the harder guys to prepare for. I wish Urban would have turned the clock back a little bit. Uh, to his days at Florida and Utah, because I'd have been interested interested to hear, you know, in those early days at Florida, 
you know, who's, who some of the guys were, but um, you know, I think that's a pretty good list. I mean, that's really <laughs> Saquon Barkley. I don't know if you, I remember just that uh, that game in Columbus. I remember watching it because I had just played a game and we were in the press box. You actually may have been there. I don't remember if you were or not, but I remember being in a press conference very similar to this, watching the game on the, on the thing and watching Saquon take the opening kickoff back and be like, uh oh, Penn State's Penn State's in it. And then they had that Ohio State had that huge fourth quarter comeback. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty darn good list. Off the top of my head, I don't know what I would add to it, uh, especially from the Big Ten. But you know, that's really tough. Denard Robinson was awesome, um, and uh, and Saquon Barkley's one that you know, probably kept them up at night. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, there's obviously it's two Michigan guys and two Penn state guys on that list, probably because you're, you look at the schedule and you played those teams more regularly. Um, it's, it's not like Wisconsin was guaranteed to be on the schedule every year, but Gordon was obviously a hell of a running back too. Um, but admittedly, nobody stands out to me more than Saquon Barkley uh, in, in probably the last 15 years. You know, whenever Ohio State would play Penn State when he was in the backfield, it's like, okay, let's let's see what we got here, because um, you knew he was uh, you knew he was pretty special. So, yeah. anyways, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was cool. Just when Saquon gets the ball, hold on for dear life, man, because he he can do everything. He was fun to watch. Great, great college player, great pro player too. One last quick question here: Who do you expect to be the returner for punts and kickoffs? Uh, I would anticipate that Emeka Buka is going to continue to to take a lot of those. I don't know that he'll be the only one, but I would be surprised if he's not back there uh, on Saturday for the first punt return. Um, I'm interested to see if they're going to use Chip Trainum. Uh, you know, they've, they've they've done it in the past. When Chip Trainum gets going full steam ahead, he is as hard to tackle as anybody on the team. I think he's one of the three strongest guys in the whole roster. He's got pretty darn good speed, um, and he is – an incredibly downhill runner. Um, I don't, I honestly, I didn't know if I liked watching him better as a linebacker or a running back. Um, but when he got opportunities, I mean, I, I, mean, I even remember watching him back in, in high school when he played at Archbishop Hoban in Akron, he was a, a totally different animal. Um, I, I love the idea of getting him opportunities on, on special teams. So, um, I'm hopeful that he'll be back there, but I anticipate that Emeka Buka is certainly going to be uh, someone to take a, a lion's share of those opportunities. Side, quick side note on Chip. Uh, I was a coach at Walsh Jesuit at when he was in high school at Hoban, so I got to actually go against him. And in high school, it was it was always so funny from even going back to when I played. Uh, the D1 guys, and the, especially the high D1 guys, just were so much better than everybody on the field at all levels. I played against Demonte Thomas when I was in high school. Uh, he played at Michigan. And when they step on the field, it's just like, it doesn't even matter. They just run by everybody. And Chip was the same way. So um, fan of Chips and hopeful to uh, to see him. I'm excited to watch him play uh, and see what he can contribute to the Buckeyes this year. All right. That'll wrap up our, uh, our Thursday edition of uh, Buckeye Breakdown. Tomorrow we're going to go more game preview, a little bit, a uh, little bit wider scope, and and give you a little idea of uh, how we expect this thing to go. We're going to talk about a couple of individual notes on this team uh, that the that the Buckeyes are going to put out there for the first time this year, and uh, we might touch on a couple of other storylines around the Big Ten to get you set up for the weekend. So, uh, looking forward to Friday morning show. We will continue to do these each morning all year long. So, hopefully, this has been fun for you and informative. I'd uh, love to try to give you as, as good an idea as you can of, of what to expect when Ohio State takes the field. 
For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for hanging out with us. Please check out all the work that uh, our team does over at BuckeyesNow.com. We're part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group and the Fan Nation Network, Buckeyes Now, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Is it Twitter or X anymore? I don't even know. I still yeah, know. And all uh, the same. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Uh, it's at BuckeyesNow underscore FN. Uh, again, part of Fan Nation there. And uh, you can find us both on Twitter as well. We're pretty active there on social media. Uh, and certainly, if you're listening after the fact or you didn't catch the beginning of the show, you can rewind it afterward uh, or find it wherever you like to find your favorite podcast. But in the meantime, Buckeyes are about 48 hours away from kicking off the season, and we will be in Bloomington to get you ready on Saturday. Have a great day, guys.